Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, today we are kicking off a series that's actually kind of reinstigating um, a series that we have done uh, a few times uh, throughout the history of Celebration Church. In fact, the very first time we did it, um, I called it uh, the Classics Volume 1, knowing there was going to be more than one volume. And so, and today we kick off the Classics Volume 3, and basically the heart behind this um, is multifold. Uh, one of those things is we want to make sure, uh, because just our culture as a whole um, is not as biblically literate as Americans once were. And so what we want to do is to be able to just help our overall biblical literacy, just to be familiar with um, some of the big uh, stories of the scriptures so that we'll, we'll, we'll know them. Um, but then also to be able to go back and look at some, at some of this, the, these moments in the Old Testament that give us life lessons to be able to connect with our relationship with God here and now. Some of these timeless truths that allow us to be able to connect and to grow in our relationship with God. And today, one of the, the classics that we're going to be looking at, we're going to be looking at the life of Samson. And we're just going to go ahead and jump into our notes together with this. And just that the life of Samson shows us what it means to know God better and to trust him more. And of course, that's what we're wanting to do. We want to grow in knowing God better and trust in him more. And we've led off, every time we hit this series, we've led off with this passage of scripture. Hebrews 12.1 says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You have a race marked out for you. God has a plan for you. There's a, you were born with purpose. And God will, wants to help you to be able to, to step into the fullness of that purpose. And the further we deviate out of God's purpose in our lives the further we get into a place of darkness and destruction. You were built in the image of God. You were created in the image of God to be an expression of the nature of God on this planet, of his love and his care and his kindness. But the fall came in and our, our having a knowledge of good and evil and so many of us who are built to to express the image of God, we make our own choices and we don't. Um, and some of those get so far off base and so far off the nature and of who God is that then it gets expressed in something as devastating and hellish as what was witnessed in and experienced in Uvalde. Um, that young man was not built to be an agent of murder. He was not created for that. That was not his, he was not placed on the planet to be able to create that kind of pain and that kind of destruction. But he made a decision. And so you and I, we have to make decisions to embrace God's 
call on our lives. That's how we begin to deal with the darkness as we allow the light in us to begin to really express. We begin to step into the fullness of who we are called to be. And that is how we begin to see the, the light expressed even in the middle of the darkness around us. And as we begin to look at some of these, in particular in the life of Samson, Samson was one who just didn't do a real good job of always making decisions that aligned with his purpose and his and the assignment on his life. He just didn't. In fact, as we just let off with Hebrews 12, 1, that, you know, obviously follows the end of Hebrews 11. And Hebrews 11 is the hall of fame of faith. It's just a list of all of these different people who weren't perfect, because they were people, um, and, but did and experienced some amazing, amazing things um, because of their faith in Christ and God's work in their lives. And some of them, you know, it's easy to go, yeah, of course they're, you know, in the hall of faith. You know, we see Abraham, you know, and of course he did not live a perfect life. And you get into the minutia of his life and there's some things you're just like, man, that, that guy was just, he was messed up on some different places. And man, he was. Um, but there were some key moments where he trusted God and stepped into a, a space of being able to, to live by faith. And, and it completely changed not just the trajectory of him and his life, but the entire, the entire world. And so there are people like, Abraham, who are in the hall of faith. And you're like, of course, of course they're there. Of course Abraham's there. But then we get to, and let's go ahead and read Hebrews 11, 32. And it says, and what more shall I say? The, the, the author of Hebrews has already made a laundry list of all these great people of faith. And it says, and what more should I say? I don't have time to tell about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and about David and the prophets, I don't have any time to talk about David. But in there, we see Samson. Samson makes the hall of faith. And it doesn't explicitly say why. The, the verses before, it talks about why they're in the hall of faith and gives them credit for their moments of faith. But here's it just starts listing people who are examples of faith. And Samson gets thrown in there and it to me, he's, he's a bit of a head scratcher. He's like, why, why, is this, why is this guy in here? He just, most of his life was just a bunch of bad decisions. He had a call on his life, and he just over and again just did not embrace God's plan for his life. But I think by the time we get to the end of it today, we'll discover the truth, this little, this little faith lesson that helps us understand why Samson is in the hall of faith. Samson's story is found in Judges chapters 13 through 16. It's four chapters out of the book of Judges. If you just decide to read it on your own, it's pretty interesting. You, you would enjoy it. It would be a good thing to do this afternoon. You'd, you'd enjoy the story of Samson. But if I say Samson, um, there's going to be a couple of things that immediately in, you engage with, okay? Um, well, the first thing is if I say Samson, um, you might go and Delilah, okay? If there's... It's, if you've been around church at all, you immediately go to that. And we're going to get into Delilah and all that part of his life. But just for the average person, if we say Samson, we'll immediately go to this guy who is super strong. 
That's what we do. He's, when the Spirit of God came on him, it says it strengthened him. And this guy did, Samson did things like he got upset and he went to the city and he got the entire gate system that protected an entire walled city. It isn't going out to like just a, just a, a gate and pulling it up. There's a gate to a city, and it, he grabs the gates, the bar, the posts, everything, rips them up out of the ground and carries them away, um, which is, of course, a great feat of strength, but it also leaves that city exposed to attack, and, and it's part of his revenge on this city. And, I mean, that's, that's, that's a great feat of strength. And, you know, and we, we know of these feats of strength, and, in fact, that was one of the things that his opponents wanted to know. Why is this guy, what's the secret of his strength? But here's what's funny. Is the scriptures, um, they don't ever really give us a description of him. But we kind of come up with our own because he's a strong guy, right? And so, well, you know, you go back to, you know, an ancient statue that somebody years later um, showed. We can go ahead and put that on the screen. There it is. So then we go. We've got Samson. Now, he doesn't look like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, he doesn't look like, you know, that Mr. Universe. Um, but, you know, Samson in this old, uh, you know, this old sculpture, he looks like he's been to the gym before, you know. Uh, he looks like he's had his protein shake. He, he looks like, you know, uh, you know, he's probably got, uh, you know, some pre-workout in his gym bag. And, you know, he, he's uh, got the weight belt somewhere. And uh, he, he's, been, he's got some biceps. He's got some shoulders. You know, you see a little bit of tricep action. You know, he's got some defined muscles. He looks like a muscular guy, and especially of the era of that artist. And then we begin to move forward into today, and then they're like trying to make a movie about, uh, about Samson, and then we get a picture uh, that looks like this, you know, and this dude looks like an Avenger. Like, you know, this, where'd this guy's waist go? What happened? You know, it just like tapered into nothing, you know, and you know, and, and this guy, he lives in the gym, you know. This guy is obviously a gym rat, you know, and he, he just eats, you know, nothing but protein shakes and, you know, chicken breasts. And he, he never smiles because he never eats anything sweet. And so he's just an angry, lean person, uh, very muscular. And, uh, and so, and this is our idea of what Samson looks like. Or maybe we think he even looks more like this next picture. And so, and then there he is. And yes, I mean, that's, uh, that dude is like... You know, he is, you know, he is the god of the gym, you know. It's like, is this Samson? Is this Thor? Who is this? You know, we don't know who he is. And so, but that is our idea. That's our idea of who Samson is. You can go ahead and pause those pictures for a second. But there's nothing in the Bible that describes Samson looking like that at all. Not at all. There's no physical descriptions of Samson at all. And the Bible takes time to physically describe people, physically describes Goliath and how big he was and strong he was and how, how much his, 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 his javelin weighed and physically described King Saul and he was 
head and shoulders taller than everybody else. And he looked the part of a king. But Samson, it doesn't talk about that. In fact, the only thing we know is that his, his opponents, his enemies were baffled at how this guy was so strong. They're like, what is the secret? How can this guy be this strong? And so the odds are Samson looked like any of us. Could have been any of us in this room. There wouldn't then had to be some big muscular guy. I show you these pictures, but just to show you that you and I, we go, we project as we read the scriptures. We project our idea. We immediately find out that he does feats of strength. And so we immediately create an image in our mind that Samson must have at least been fairly strong in the natural. And then God just kind of pushed him over the top, you know. And then the spirit of the Lord came on him, put a little pixie dust on him. And then he was able to like do something like extra. But he was like already pretty buff. He was already pretty strong. We tend to have these ideas in our mind that if God's called somebody into a certain space, well, then they're naturally gifted in that space. Then all of a sudden that if somebody's going to be called to to speak, well, then they're going to naturally be gifted. Moses had a stutter. And God said, I want you to speak to Pharaoh on behalf of the entire people of Israel. And Moses said, I have a stutter. I can't do this. And God said, nope, I'm sending you. You're the one. I didn't make a mistake. No, you didn't blow me away. I wasn't just eavesdropping on your oratory skills and said, ooh, that's the one I need. No, God said, I will make up the difference. And so what I want us to do, I want to challenge us to do, is since the story of Samson exposes that we automatically project, if someone is going to be strong, well, they must have looked strong. The Bible doesn't say that, but we project it. Then let's at least let's acknowledge that we do that. And now let's kind of dial that back in our own life. That instead of saying, you know what, what am I kind of naturally gifted at? All of a sudden now that's how God wants to do it. Why don't we let God be the boss? Why don't we let God decide how he wants to use us in our lives? Why don't we let God begin and the Spirit of God begin to lead us? And maybe he begins to lead us in a space we're not naturally gifted. And maybe that's a space you're going to lean on God more. Because you're not naturally gifted in that space. You know, okay, if this is going to be, if this is going to happen, it's got to be God because I can't do it. And we see that in the scriptures over and over and over again of God calling people who are unlikely, God calling people who don't have the right gifting or the right pedigree or, or the right skill set. And God said, no, I've chosen you. I, God, will make up the difference. And we need to go ahead and embrace that concept right now. And here's what's sad. The last picture I want to show you is the picture we show the kids. Here's the animated version of Samson. What happened to him? That's not even realistic. And he has a growth out of the side of his neck. What happened there? He, he needs medical attention. He's got a tumor or something. 
Like, that is completely unrealistic. And this is what we show our children. God used Samson and his strength. He must have looked like this freak of nature. You got to look like this to be used in your strength for God. No. Why do we do this to our kids? No. Samson was probably an average-looking person. And when the Spirit of God came on him, he was able to do some inhuman things, things not even the strongest human could do. It had to be the Spirit of God anyways, so it could have been anybody. So as we look at that, then we now need to talk about Samson. Samson, uh, his birth was promised to his parents, his mom was unable to conceive. And so an angel shows up, talks to her. And we're going to look at that in just a second. Um, and so and in that, um, he was called to be a Nazarite. A Nazarite was a special, uh, a special group of people of the Hebrew people um, who chose to live an extra separated life. Um, wouldn't cut their hair, didn't drink any alcohol or, or wine. Um, they, all, they all took it to the next level and said, okay, well, we're just not even going to eat grapes. Uh, I don't know if, like, you chew grapes too slow. Like, all of a sudden, you, just, you know, start to ferment, you get a little buzz from, like, the chewing on the grapes too long. I don't know. But they're like, we're not risking it, so we're not even going to eat grapes here. So they they did like always and took it way too far, but they weren't supposed to drink wine, weren't supposed to get their hair cut, um, and uh, were not supposed to touch any dead thing. And as you look through the life of, of um, um, Samson, he has some problems with some of those boundaries. And so, but Samson leads Israel for 20 years. He leads Israel for, for a long time, and uh, he's eventually captured and when he's captured due to his own unwillingness to protect his, the call on his life, he's not strong at that moment anymore. And his enemies immediately gouge his eyes out. They immediately blind him. And then there in his, um, uh, in his blindness, they're afraid that if his strength comes back on him, then at least they, he can't see them to be able to inflict penalties on them. But I think if Samson was to have a conversation with us and out of that great cloud of witnesses or the cloud of faith, um, that he would let us know that you don't have to have lost your eyes to be blind. He would say that he was blind well before his eyes were gouged out that he was blind on multiple levels well before he lost his physical eyesight. And one of the first things is, is we can be blind to God's purpose on our life. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. It was very clear. It was prophesied. There's angelic visitation, all of the, the, those, those things with Samson's life. And Samson's parents were very into it and embraced it. In fact, Samson's dad prayed, hey, God, can you send that same angel back to tell us how to raise this son of ours? We, we want to do it right. He was super intentional about this. So Samson grew up on awareness that 
there was a plan and a purpose for his life, but just did not really honor it. Here in Judges chapter 13, verse 5, it says, uh, this is the angel speaking to uh, Samson's mother, and he said, you'll become pregnant, and you'll have a son whose head is to never be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite. Of course, all the Jewish people understood what a Nazarite was. Um, dedicated to God from the womb, he will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. The calling on his life was for leadership. He was supposed to lead the people of Israel so that they're not dominated by the Philistines in particular. But there's another truth at play, and it's the truth we find in Proverbs 29.18, which says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. Where there is no prophetic understanding, prophetic insight, people cast off restraint. They just, there's, all of a sudden, there's just no limits. There's no boundaries. Okay? All of a sudden, as soon as, you know, if I hand you a blank piece of paper and tell you to draw something, well, there's no... There's, there's, there's no limitations, okay? But as soon as I tell you to draw an elephant, well, now in your mind, an elephant just popped in. There is some understanding. There's some revelation and boundaries came. You may have a super realistic elephant to draw in your mind. You may have a cartoonish, stylized elephant in your mind, but your mind sees it as an elephant, and by choosing to draw the elephant, it immediately creates boundaries of not drawing other things. When there's an understanding, there's revelation, then all of a sudden, then there is boundaries. But if there is not, you just cast off restraint. There's no reason to be restrained. And so we see that in Samson's life over and over again then we also see that we can be blind to the power of relationships. We say the power of relationships uh, because good relationships are powerful in a good way. But bad and unhealthy relationships are powerful in a bad and unhealthy way. And that relationships in general they're just powerful, but it de determines which way are they going to go. We see here in Judges chapter 13, verse 25, it says the Spirit of the Lord began to work in his life. The Spirit of the Lord began to work in Samson's life. And as soon as this begins to take place, Judges 14.1, that's the last verse of 13, remember there were no chapters and verses, so it was just all written. We put this in so we could find it. So this is all one narrative. We just take the chapter breaks and the verses out, and the Spirit of the Lord began to work in his life. And then Samson went down to Timnah in 14.1, and there he saw a young Philistine woman. He was supposed to lead Israel against and not for the oppression of the Philistines. And now as soon as God begins to work in his life, he begins to have the distraction of a relationship that doesn't understand the calling on his life.
this young Philistine woman. She may have been a great lady. I don't know. He just sees her. We don't know a whole lot about her. Sadly, she ends up suffering terribly at, because he ends up being attracted to her, and, and she ends up losing her life over this, not at his hand, but at, at, her, at her peer's hand. And had he kept his boundaries, she would have lived. Had he understood that he needed people in his life who understood what a Nazarite vow was, she didn't understand it. She didn't understand if she offered him a glass of wine, that she was asking him to break his vow. It was just, it's just a glass of wine to her. But someone who was part of the Israelite community would have understood what a Nazarite was. She's like, hey, buddy, you know, you're handsome and all, but, you know, your hair's getting a little unruly. You need to, like, hit the barbershop, you know. You need to get, you know, you need to get a fresh fade or something over there, buddy. And... He not understanding, she's asking him to break his vow. She wouldn't know, wouldn't value it, wouldn't honor it, wouldn't even make sense, wouldn't even make sense to her. And as soon as the Spirit of God begins working on his life, he begins to be a, attracted to a, a, a relationship that is a distraction to the call on his life. And then we see Samson's very first words we see him speak in Judges chapter 14, verse 2. It says, he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. And his father and mother replied, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all of our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? And that means not having a relationship with God, not having a covenant with God. Uh, is the circumcised part. It says, but Samson said to his father, get her for me. She's the right one for me. In this space, he is ignoring the counsel of the people who understand the calling and the assignment on his life the most. There are people in our lives who are called to help point us in the right direction, to come alongside and remind us of who we are and God's plan for our life. And if we ignore those voices, here was a roadblock. Here was a support. He's like, God's moving in his life. He gets distracted by an unhealthy distraction. And then all of a sudden now the right people in his life say, hey, come back on point. Come back to what God has called you to do. And like, nope. Nope, nope. He willfully puts it away. In fact, very much a part of, of their uh, culture is repeated in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2. It says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. This was part of the Mosaic law. He very much understood that. And when he is not honoring his father and mother, he is not just rejecting their counsel. He is rejecting God's word in his life. There is literally no way you can live what the, God's plan for your life and reject what he has to say about your life. You can't do that. You can't embrace God's plan for your life and reject what he has to say. And that is exactly what Samson does. Right as things are beginning to be stirred and God's stirring in his life and working in his life, he begins to and refuses to honor 
the council, refuses to honor the council of the word of God, and he moves forward with that, and it ends up in destruction. Another place we see that we can be blind is to the nature of God. See, Samson repeatedly gets into this cycle. We see that there's even one phrase whenever he meets Delilah, and it says that Samson fell in love again. Samson would just keep on moving from relationship to relationship to relationship, and all of them were unhealthy for him. They did not align with the call and the purpose on his life. We see three different ladies for sure across it. We see the original Philistine, and then we see Delilah, and in the middle there's a random prostitute. And he just keeps making unhealthy decisions on these fronts, but every time he finds himself having to go to battle, the anointing comes on him, the strength comes on him, and he's able to have a thousand people attack him and him find a fresh jawbone of a donkey and turn that into a weapon and begin to to kill people. And we're all hoping that that donkey had already passed, that it wasn't super fresh and there's some donkey going, where did that go? You know, and he didn't just go grab a donkey's jawbone. But he had a fresh jawbone of a donkey and he uses it as a weapon. And, and 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 the Spirit of God came on over and over and over. In the middle of all of his not honoring and being blind to his purpose, he would still periodically step into his purpose in the spirit of God. The grace of God and the assignment on his life was there. But then he ends up with a relationship with Delilah. And Delilah was, was hired to find his secret. And she exploited his love for her. She didn't love him back. She knew he loved her, and she exploited that love and revealed her character over and over again. He would, she's like, well, what's your secret? He's like, oh, you know what? If I'm tied with seven new bowstrings, I lose all my strength. And she'd tie him with seven new bowstrings and then say, hey, the Philistines are on you. And miraculously, while he's supposed to be without strength, these attack would happen and he would break it loose and, you know, those Philistines died and, and then he stayed with Delilah. <laughs> sure glad I lied to you. Can't trust you. Oh, tell me that. Then he gets a little closer with the next lie. Then he actually brings up his hair. If you weave my hair into a loom, then I lose my strength. So what does she do? He goes to sleep. She weaves his hair into a loom. Hey, the Philistines are on you. He jumps up, rips the whole thing up, kills everybody. And she's like, oh, my gosh, you make it, you're embarrassing me. You're lying. You won't tell me the truth. If I told you the truth, I'd be dead twice. Twice. Oh, you just don't even love me. You don't even care for me. You don't even love me. You don't even tell me the truth. All right, all right. She cut my hair off. I seriously, uh, I've broken my vow. I, I lose my strength. She said, oh, okay. Come, come, come sleep over here, honey. And he goes to sleep again. She cuts his hair. 
jumps up. And let's see what happens. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him and his strength left him. And then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and he thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. I've been able to live life on my terms and not been have to really pay the consequences. God's just always just shown up. And he didn't understand the fact that you, you, we can't sit there and just live our lives the way we want to live them, however we want, ignoring what God has to say, but demanding God's blessing on our life. God, I'm your kid. You have to be good to me. He is good. He loves you. He's shown you his goodness. The scriptures say he demonstrated his love and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for it. He showed you don't have to be good to get his attention. But you can't sit here and say, I'm going to do whatever I want, and you're just going to pour your blessing on me. No, he says, I've called you to this space because that's where the blessing is. It's like sitting there and saying, hey, um, we're, we're all going to go to lunch. It's going to be on my dining room table. And you go over to somebody else's dining room table and say, Pastor Brandon, you're a liar. Your lunch is not here. And I'm like, your spot is sitting here at my house. Your food is here. You simply had to come to my house. I told you where it was. Well, I wanted to go to my house. Ship it over here. It's not the way it goes. These blessings are in a space that brings life into life and that everyone is connected with that space. And we can't, we have to honor what he has to say. And so, and that's when they gouge his eyes out and he ends up in prison. Romans 6, 1 and 2 says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin live, still live in it? Grace is to free us from a life of sin, not to free us from the consequences of sin. It's to free us from living in it, to send us into a new space. So I believe if Samson was to give us some words of encouragement, that Samson would tell us this. To protect the presence of God. Protect the presence of God. Cultivate a relationship with God. We're about to see the only prayer we see Samson pray. We're about to get into it in just a second. But he did not cultivate his relationship with God. He eventually spoke to God. We have it recorded. But all that time, he's just living his life. You have to protect the presence of God. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Did not put out the Spirit's fire. The Spirit begins to stir within you. Cultivate that. Lean into that. You're here. You're tuned in. You're connected here on a Sunday morning because you felt drawn on some level. Please don't let having attended a service be go, okay, I appeased that. No, God was stirring you to draw, to, to create a hunger. 
I hope you walk out of here hungry for a relationship with God, not feeling like you've got fed enough to get through the week. Oh, I don't need to go to the scriptures, man. Pastor Brandon really laid us on us, man. We're, we're good for the week. No, I hope to light your appetite for the scriptures. I hope to light your appetite for a relationship with God. Cultivate your relationship with God. Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. God has sealed you. You're his well, let's not grieve the Holy Spirit with the way we treat one another and the way we treat our relationship with him. That's what that passage of Scripture is saying. Let's make sure we stay on pace with our relationship with God. The next thing we need to understand is to choose your relationships carefully. They matter. Your relationships matter. And just real quick, for those who are taking notes, um, you want to make sure that you nurture the important relationships Important relationships in your life, man, feed them. Make sure they're healthy. Spend some uh, purposeful energy on those. You want to restore the broken relationships. Make sure that that gets handled. You want to sever the harmful ones. There are some unhealthy relationships. That was one thing Samson was unwilling to do. We need, there's some unhealthy relationships at times. Those, that unhealthy relationship, that person is made in the image of God. But your connection with them may not be what's healthy for you or them right now. But then you also need to initiate some meaningful relationships. You don't have all of the friends in your life that you're ever going to have. God has some new relationships to create some new connections for you. And you need to be ready to initiate some meaningful relationships. Proverbs 13, 20. Proverbs 13, 20. It says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. And Hebrews 10, 25 reminds us, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. And here's we get into the last thing that I think Samson would tell us. I think this is why Samson is in the hall of faith. This right here is that failure is never final. Failure is never final. We see in, the, in Judges 16.22 that as Samson has been subdued, Samson's his eyes have been gouged out, and in ridicule of him, they tie him and, ch- and connect him to a grain mill and make him work there in the grain mill with the animals to help churn out and grind grain. And that is what he ended up living the last of his years doing something as a slave to the people he was called to lead in victory against, he ended up as their slave. That was not, this slavery was not God's plan for his life. Victory was God's plan for his life, but he would not honor God's boundaries in his life. It says, but then his hair began to grow again. That was not the end. And here in Judges 16, verse 28, we see Samson's prayer. And Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. And praise God, we have a God of just once more. His, Samson, in that space, understood God would still hear him. God would still empower him. God still wanted to do some work in his life. And here's the amazing thing is as Samson is taken out of that thing, out of that 
meal. He's placed on as rid, a point of ridicule in this big feast. He gets his hands on the foundational pillars of this temple. And, and that, as the God's strength came on him one last time, he is able to destroy the foundations and get of, of the enemy and, and get one final victory, the biggest victory of his life. I'm telling you what a beautiful image of Jesus. As Jesus' arms are stretched out, Samson's arms were stretched out, and Jesus got his greatest victory in his death. Samson got his greatest victory in his death. And we see here in Proverbs 24, 16, for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. And in 1 Timothy 1, 15, says, therefore, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. That is God's plan. Showing patience, wanting restoration. God demonstrated his love for us. And then while we were yet sinners, while we didn't care, Christ died for us. He saw that our failure wasn't final. And here's our bottom line today, that God doesn't let your past limit your future. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.